0: Radio shows you love from the people you know. This is Sam Talks
1: Technology. Hello, good afternoon and welcome to another show of Sam Talks Technology. Today I'm joined by, I have to say, somebody I really wanted to talk to for a long, long time. Julian Genestoux, who's a a wonderful developer, entrepreneur, uh, a successful entrepreneur even, should I say as well. Welcome Julian, how are you?
0: I'm good. Thank you very much. Nice to nice to chat with you again, Sam. It's been uh, it's been a long time. I think the first time we met was like ten years ago or so. I too. know,
1: I know. It's been far too long. Um, in that time, let me just give people a quick resume of what you were doing. Uh, you formed your first company while you were at school. Uh, you created a product or a company called Superfeeder that uh, had one of the best protocol names, or we'll used one of them that came out of Google, as we've learned: PubSub sub hub. Uh, which was uh, RSS on steroids, I think, and subsequently has been called WebSub. That was acquired by Medium, the well-known blogging platform or writing platform. Is it a blogging platform? Do they call it blogging anymore? Uh, so
0: I don't think Ev calls it blogging very much, but it's a publishing platform, basically, where anybody who wants to write content uh, can actually do that, do so online.
1: Yeah, and so it's owned by Ev Williams, who one of the creators of Blogger at Google and obviously Twitter. Um, But today, and most excitingly, you're now starting another company uh, called Unlock. So uh, if you can tell me what is Unlock?
0: Yeah, sure. So Unlock is actually a a, a company, obviously, but it's also more importantly a protocol. So I I think you mentioned PubSub, Hubbub, and WebSub. The idea of a protocol to me is something that is kind of self-serve, that everybody can participate. There is no kind of gatekeeper or anything like this. And so what Unlock, the company is, is trying to build that Unlock protocol. And what the protocol does is something, um, I guess if you're familiar with Medium, you know that Medium has a paywall, so it has basically a system where after, I think it's now five articles or three articles actually, a month, you need to pay to view certain content. We're trying to build a protocol that allows any creator to do that online, on their own website, on their own web application, or even mobile apps, basically.
1: Okay, so, um, but you're building it not on existing platforms, you're building it on the next generation, so can you give us a little bit more information?
0: So the reason why so when when I, I describe what what, what unlock does, you might be thinking, well, medium does that, and there's actually a ton of apps that do this already, right uh, and that that would be right. The challenge though is that each of these apps acts as kind of a a unique silo. My medium subscription belongs to medium, basically sits in the medium database right, and so it means that it's not programmable, it's not something that I can easily. Uh, cancel or or, I mean medium is actually very easy to cancel but like there's a bunch of online subscription Wall Street Journal is very famous for this You have to call them to cancel right so the fact that it sits on their database means means that it's actually not very uh, user friendly but also not developer friendly means that I cannot as a developer build on top of this and there's a ton of things that we can build on top of memberships and subscription but we'll come back to this later Uh, we decided that if we're building something that is kind of web scale and for the web in general we need to build it in a way that is permissionless and kind of um Um, uh, unstoppable in that way, where nobody can say, hey, no, 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 I don't want you to charge for your content. You should go away. Uh, And so that's the reason why we decided to build on um, the Ethereum platform,
1: on blockchain technology, basically. Okay, so it's a blockchain platform. It's the Ethereum wallet. And basically, it's a protocol that sits on top of that.
0: Yes, exactly. It's a protocol that sits inside of the Ethereum blockchain uh, using smart contracts that are uh, deployed completely in the open. So you can actually check all of the source code. Um, and the way I, I tell people to think about this is like, Ethereum is really, uh, I mean, one of the analogies that is being used all the time is kind of the world computer, right? So computer that runs across the world uh, and a lock, which is kind of the paywall that you would deploy as creator, is your own app on that world computer, if you think about this. So you have a mobile device, you have a bunch of apps. Here, we help people, we help creators deploy their own app on the mobile, on the mobile, on the, sorry, on the world computer.
1: Okay, so content can be anything. It can be music. It could be video. It could be a blog. It could be yes. anything, really. Yep.
0: Exactly. The idea is that um, that pattern of unlocking content is actually something that is that way that goes way back, right? You think even like unlocking software. Uh, I'm sure you remember the '90s, but like we could purchase Windows 98, and you'd put the CD-ROM into your into your player, and at some point you'd have to type this stupidly long key to unlock the software to actually say, yep. "Hey, I actually purchased this." Uh, from a real Microsoft reseller uh, and not uh, download this is from, from the web. And that key unlocked the software. So that pattern is obviously the same thing as you have today when you go to Wall Street Journal or, or New York Times, or uh, I'm sure in the UK there's a bunch of newspapers that have paywalls as yeah. well. You have to identify yourself and purchase a key basically to access the content. You might not be typing that key because you have a user account there, but that's the same idea basically. And so that pattern is everywhere these days online. If you think about Netflix, it's obviously – a membership that you access to, e-medium we just talked about, uh, but even like software platforms like uh, Photoshop's Photoshop, or Adobe's uh, Creative Suite is uh, a membership that you unlock on a monthly basis. I think it's $50 a month um, at this point. Um, GitHub, if you're a developer, you can unlock features uh, and you pay this, um, this thing. So that idea of unlocking is a pattern that you find everywhere around the web um, and that's what we're trying
1: to kind of Take the pattern and make it kind of a standard protocol for everybody else to use the the metaphor is very good and the name matches the metaphor so well done congratulations that's going to make life a lot easier for people to understand now the the bit i'm struggling with is what do i need so let's say you've got uh, a piece of content that i want to access what do i need to do today as a consumer in order to access that content. Do I have to download my Ethereum wallet? Do I have to give you Bitcoin? Do I have to do all these things? Yes. Okay, Uh, so I'm not not being Okay, good.
0: Not all of these things, but some of these things and hopefully less and less of these things. That's actually one of the things that we're aiming for so at this point you're right if you if you go to um you can go to our blog actually unlock-protocol.com slash blog you'll see that there is at the bottom of the of the site a bar that tells you that invites you to become a member and if you become a member you can leave comments you can read some specific posts that you're written. right there's a bunch of other sites that use this but let's let's take that as an example Uh, now to be able to unlock the blog as we call it uh, you would need you're right an ethereum wallet so right now it's kind of, there's a choice. There's actually several on both desktop and mobile devices. We'd become an Opera. The mobile browser actually now has a crypto wallet baked in. So if you use Opera as your main browser, you can, you're, you're good to go. Uh, there's other extensions like MetaMask that allow you to do this. Once you have the extension, you obviously need some of that cryptocurrency. So in the context of our blog, we decided not to charge. Uh, so actually you need just cryptocurrency to pay for the fees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that case, uh, you need the Ethereum cryptocurrency, which you can get uh, on pretty much every exchange at this point. It's one of the, I mean, it's the second most popular cryptocurrency. Yeah. So you can get it out anywhere. So that's, that's roughly the state of things. When you have this, you can actually access the content very easily. There's a quick pop-up that says, hey, do you want to purchase this? You click yes, the transaction is being sent and then you can access the content. It is obviously, uh, it works great if you have this, if you don't have either a uh, crypto wallet or cryptocurrency, it's going to be much harder. One thing that we're working on at Unlock is what we call the convenience layer. The idea of making it easy for people that don't have, or even don't care about the kind of underlying technologies to just use their regular uh, credit or debit card um, to purchase access. And in that well, basically they pay us Unlock Inc, the company to do the transaction on the blockchain on their behalf. Okay. So that's a way for them to just have like a regular account with email and password put their credit card. And then they start transacting uh, with kind of the blockchain without having to know very much about how that works.
1: Okay, so I, I, I get Metaverse I'm using that. I, I have Opera, I don't use, I intend to be a Chrome user. Um, so okay, it's great that you've got working models out there. As a developer stroke content owner stroke provider, what do I need to do?
0: So similar, uh, basically you would need to uh, have that crypto wallet uh, already. Because the fact is, even though we take payments and credit card from consumers, you will, no matter what, get paid in cryptocurrencies. So that's actually something that there's no shortcut around. You need to have your own wallet and Once you have your own wallet, you would go to unlock-proticle.com and then we would help you deploy what we call your lock, which is that that app that I mentioned earlier, right? Like this instance of, of an application that is just yours, that represents basically your membership. Right. The fact that you will charge people for this when you do so, you decide of the price that people pay. So it's any amount and also any currency. So we didn't go very deep in, in this, but like Ethereum as a blockchain has the main native currency called ether.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then there's a ton of what are called EFC 20. So they're like a standard for other currencies that are built inside of the Ethereum blockchain. And so there is, for example, uh, one of the most popular one is called DAI. And it's what we call a stable coin. So it's a currency whose uh, value is pegged to the US dollar. So as a lock owner, you could decide to charge people in that stable coin rather than the fluctuating ether, right? So you would pick the price, the currency, obviously, the number of keys. So I don't know that makes a ton of sense for a lot of creators uh, that we're thinking about, but you could say, hey, I only want to sell 100 memberships. That wouldn't make sense in the context of having multiple plans. You can say, hey, I've got a friends and family plan that is kind of cheaper and only a limited amount and then if you're not friends and family you're going to pay the larger uh i mean you're going to pay a larger price for a different membership right so number of keys and the duration of each of these keys so when people become a member they become a member for a certain duration So it could be a month a week uh, a day whatever um, and so in that case you decide how long that membership is there's a bunch of other characteristics that are kind of uh, less kind of uh, mainstream uh, but that's roughly the thing the price, the currency, the duration, the number of keys. Uh, once, you, once you pick these things, that smart contract is deployed for you on the Ethereum chain, and then you have the address of the smart contract. And now we will, Unlock Inc., will provide you with small JavaScript snippets that you can put on your website that will enforce the fact that a visitor has a specific key to that lock to access the content
1: okay so that's great so you can you can time limit it you can you can make it everything else that's great i understand the multiple lock um, metaphor but why (laughs) let's take a step back but but why go to this extent of technology when hang on a minute you know i've got a spotify family friends account i come up i put my card in it works i i forget to pay my monthly fee it doesn't work hey yep. it's on it's locked and it's unlocked by, yep. by spotify what, right. are you, that, what are you fixing
0: that works very well for spotify but if you're like an indie musician that means that you can only sell your music or your work through spotify which might not be something that you like or something that you want to do right, right. that actually works for new york times as well but if you're kind of a or smaller indie blogger out of, say, the Netherlands, you might not be able to actually uh, make money uh, on Medium, for example, uh, or you might not be able to actually set up your own payroll uh, in a way that makes sense. So it's really these payrolls and these subscriptions that you described, the, the, the Spotify one, the Netflix one, the New York Times, the Medium one, work great for these very large platforms. If you're a small indie creator, which is again, like the essence of the web in the early days, right? So publishing platform for everyone, mm-hmm. you're kind of left out because it's actually a lot of work to build and maintain uh, kind of a subscription, uh, credit card payment, gateway, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So you could use a third party, but in that world, that third party acts as a gatekeeper. It can say, sure, we'll put your content uh, and you can sell your content through us.
1: Which is like, like Amazon, Amazon, Amazon marketplace.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, all of a sudden, they start to have kind of an oversized impact on your on your business. They could decide from a day to another to kind of increase your, increase the fees that they take. You mentioned Amazon. One of the examples that everybody has in mind these days is uh, Google. Uh, sorry, Apple News Plus, yep. which is kind of a subscription. And if you're kind of a mid-sized publisher, you can go to Apple and say, hey, please put our content behind or inside of that product, right? But in that case, Apple actually takes 50% of the revenue. I know, and, crazy. And may, and may decide to kick you out at any point, basically. Yeah. They just are completely in control. And I don't think that's acceptable. And I don't think that's kind of the, again, the core essence of the web uh, in the early days.
1: I think that News Plus example is a great example. I also think app developers paying 30% to be in same the idea. app store is the same thing. So what you're saying is I could host my content if I was a publisher. And use unlock, or if I was an app developer, I host my uh, app application, and yep. exactly the same thing. Yep. Um, I guess the only reason that people use Apple or Apple continues to believe that people use them is because they've got a wide distribution. But that's that's another story. Again,
0: okay. and that's also, I mean, that's actually a good point. Like one of the, it's true for like app and and the Apple Store uh, or Google and the Play Store. But if you think about the web, even these days, distribution is just Google and Facebook, and maybe Twitter mm-hmm. every other month. But it's like. And in my mind, that's also a sign that this ecosystem is broken when both the distribution, so basically visitors and the money in the form of ads mostly on the web, actually coming from the same two players, Mm -hmm. it's a sign that we're in a very unhealthy ecosystem. When your supplier and your consumer is the same person, you're usually in trouble.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, 80% of the web is is going that way. on Friday, tomorrow, you're, you're at Betaworks talking about the decentralized autonomous organizations. Given what you just said, what, yep. is, what, is, the, what is the solution then, Julian?
0: So, so uh, a decentralized autonomous organization is, is kind of a, a theme that has been kind of running around in the, uh, in the crypto ecosystem for the last couple of years at this point. Um, I do think that's actually uh, one of the, I, I mean, I hate to say biggest innovation or, or because it, always, I mean, everybody has different ideas. And even myself, like two years from now, I might say something else is the biggest innovation in the blockchain world. But um, I do think that, uh, and again, I'm going to give you my, my quick pitch about this, but I do think that as, if you've read um, uh, Homo sapiens, Yuval yeah. Hariri, yeah. Uh, one of the points that he makes is that uh, one of the unique characteristics of, or the most unique characteristic of human is the ability to cooperate, basically at scale, uh, both in space and time, right? It's like all work together during same goal. And so over the over the years, uh, in of the centuries even, uh, we organized first as kind of tribes and families and then villages and then, uh, and then kingdoms and then empires and then et cetera, et cetera, right? One of the most recent form of organization is actually the corporation. If you think about this, um, I mean, it's, it roughly dates back from the, from the uh, industrial revolution, right? The idea of having multiple people going together and say, hey, we're going to kind of create this Uh, moral entity it's not a real person but it acts as a person that we're going to invest and that entity is going to work uh, generate profit and then we as shareholders will make money from this thing right I do believe that the industrial revolution um, um, I mean obviously uh, triggered a massive uh, growth for the world Uh, but I do strongly think that the invention of the corporation was one of the Key factors in that in that in that unleashing of growth right Uh, if you think if you move forward like to 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 now we basically move away from kind of this uh capitalistic world uh to kind of where a world where information uh is becoming the most important currency where basically information age right like that's where yeah data is in the oil exactly Uh, and and, at this one we're here (coughs) where this is kind of the new the new thing but uh, and, and i do think that with every age came a new kind of organization. As as I said, like uh, the industrial age uh, had the corporation as its kind of most famous type of organization. I think we're entering a new world now uh, around information where we need to invent the new kind of organizations. And I do think that blockchain actually brings the possibility to create what I call, or what is called by a lot of people, uh, decentralized autonomous organization. And when you think about Bitcoin, which is obviously a cryptocurrency, it is actually, in my mind, the number one uh, decentralized autonomous organization. It's decentralized because anybody can start kind of a miner in their in their garage today and be part of the group of people that actually mine Bitcoin and secure the chain. So it's in that way, it's kind of completely decentralized. It's autonomous because there's actually no one pushing things out there. There's no like grand priest of Bitcoin that says, yep. hey, this is how you do things. Or there's no corporate structure that says, hey, like Julian's unit uh, is going to mine that many coins or... Do this and at the same time it's obviously an organization because there's literally tens or even hundreds of thousands of people around the world that kind of work together toward the same goal and to me that's kind of a very unique uh innovation uh, that bitcoin brought i do think that we're starting to see more similar things so in the ethereum world there's been a bunch of daos as they're called uh toward funding so it's basically people that have that are uh, wealthy in tokens that would basically put these tokens in, in, a, in a shared uh, pot or in a shared account basically and say hey we're going to invest in projects um, based on voting. So if I put like 10% of the, of the pot, I can, I have 10% of the votes and I can decide what are the project we're funding, right? We're also seeing another type of DAOs in the form of uh, token curated registries. So I don't know if that's something that you've heard of or, or that your uh, audience is familiar with, but basically it's the idea that there's a ton of things outside of us or in the physical world or even like online that are about kind of um, creating lists, right? So if you think about the the top restaurants in London, there is Yelp. I don't know if Yelp is popular in Germany. Yeah, Yelp, yeah. Yelp, that actually creates this, right? At this point, that list is completely created by Yelp. They have algorithms, they have people, and decide, like, we'll put this guy in first, or this uh, French restaurant second, and it's completely opaque, right? it's kind of a strange world because that information is critical to a lot of businesses, obviously these restaurants, but also to a lot of people that just rely on like this recommendation to pick the best restaurants. Um, the idea of token curated registries is that that kind of list could actually be created by the very member of the group. So people that are both restaurants or consumers. And so basically, and I'm not going to go too much into details here, but that's a way to kind of organize these lists. With economic kind of incentive so that people actually just do the work of saying, hey, this restaurant's actually better than this one in a fully permissionless and kind of autonomous way.
1: We need that in podcasting, by the way.
0: Podcasting, I mean, <laughs> if you think about like a search engine is this in some way, right? Or could be this. Like the yes. top results for 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 any kind of search could be, I mean, is a created list at this point and created by Google mostly, or some other search engine if you're using another one like I do. But basically, that small set of results is a list that could be created by people that know best. Like if I'm looking for, again, like a trip to France, I should be able to see a list and knowing that the person who contributed that list are the most knowledgeable person, not the best at
1: doing SEO. Right. Exactly. That, and that, that's the critical key. Yes. So um, interestingly enough, um, I sort of not to, I've never called it decentralized autonomous organizations, but there is a Nobel Peace Prize winner called Roland Course, And in 1937, he wrote about uh, the uh, diminishing law of firms and the diminishing law of firms was fundamentally the counter to what you said the corporation is. It is the, the corporation grew. Um, we had famous economic books about the economies of scale and all that rubbish that we had to deal with. And then uh, obviously the web broke that model but he wrote in 1937 that the idea is that you should outsource at the point where the transactional cost is cheaper externally than internally
0: that's right yep and
1: and so we are beginning to see as you call de- decentralized maybe it's not so much autonomous but decentralized organizations we have had that now for a while i mean um but the autonomous part would be interesting because we've got the other we've got the other side of the it's okay it's a daughter. Uh, it's one of those joys of uh, sometimes having children home. Working from home. Yep. Um, the the other side of the uh, issue is uh, Friedman in 1970 made shareholder value the the key criteria. Yep. Of course, that is not the key, and we are beginning to see companies now saying that is the wrong model. Yep. So it's interesting to see. I, I I would love to see what new corporate models are. The corporate 2.0, whatever it's going to be, has to exist. And you yep. think that's going to be through the blockchain through decentralization yeah. of content and everything else.
0: Yeah. I don't know that it's still going to be called corporation and maybe it will, but it's, it's the idea. And again, um, blockchain may be kind of a step too far in the specificity of the, of the architecture, but it's going to be a system where as an individual, I can decide to be part of and being paid by the system, not by other people that are themselves part of the system for the work that I contribute. And so again, like taking the example of Bitcoin for me is, is, a, is, Pretty one of the best examples, like I can decide today to go purchase some computer online that is not even specific to Bitcoin, even though I would not make a lot of money, But mm-hmm. and then plug that into uh, an electric plug at my place and decide that it's an arbitrage that I wanna make. So it's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna invest in the hardware, pay for energy for electricity, and then be paid in Bitcoin. I'm not gonna be paid in dollars, I'm being paid in the currency of, this, of the of this system, of the DAO, right? And in that world, i say, all right, this currency of the DAO is actually valuable enough because somebody else is willing to purchase this from me, uh that so that i can pay my rent so i do think that in that in that world it's it's a very good uh, it's a very good uh, i mean bitcoin is a very good example of, of these daos i like what you said about like the price of transaction i do think that the information age actually took price of transacting way down and mm-hmm. that's why we can actually try to invent these kind of new type of organizations uh which was not necessarily possible like 50 or, or 100 years ago where coordinating work was actually extremely expensive um because people did not have ways to communicate very efficiently
1: so, one question I, I want to ask you because you'll you probably know the, the, the best answer is uh, Libra. Yep, our friends at Facebook. Our friends um, at Facebook. Now, when it first came out, I, I looked at it and I went, oh, "Okay, there's there's, there's two sides to this coin. One, well, multiple sides. One, one. I like the idea of Libra as a concept because going back to the fact that if I read your articles on Medium, I can give you the best I can give you as a clap, which yeah. won't pay your rent." Strangely. Um, <laughs> I mean, I so, <laughs> yeah. um, so what would be nice, and it's, it's a problem that's existed since the uh, the noughties, really, I guess, is paying for someone's attention and time, right? So yeah. how do I reward your attention? And there's never been a micropayment system that's come out that's enabled us to do that. And Libra seemed to be a system, if you disassociate it from Facebook for a minute, that could because it was linked to a fiat currency basket it was a stable coin it had the ability therefore with an api for me to implement some sort of micro payment system that would allow me to pay people right yeah uh, it, it, it Is is libra something that you because you talked about other stable coin yeah payment mechanisms is that something that you've looked at is that anything so
0: I've, I've looked at i mean um uh, briefly i guess uh not so briefly i actually read a bunch of uh, white papers a bunch of documents that they published and some analysis by other people um i don't know about that micropayment model it feels like it's not necessarily something that i've uh, read a lot about i mean it 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 kind of goes back to that idea of new types of organization i do believe that um every time there is kind of a change in the organization and the ways we organize ourselves there is other types of organization that are kind of fighting uh, to survive in some way or fighting each other, right? Like when you could argue that when the kind of the corporation uh, became old rage, uh, at the same time, one of the oldest ways of organizing people, which was religion, kind of lose, lost a lot of his, uh, a lot of his dominance and impact, right? Um, And when people organized literally their lives around kind of church uh, schedules in the, in the middle ages, at least in Europe, it obviously changed completely now where we organize our work, I mean, our daily lives around our work and our corporation in some way, mm-hmm. right? Like my, my office is closed on, on Saturdays and Sundays, so I'm not gonna work. Um, before that you would not work on Sundays because it was kind of the day of, of, of God or something else. Yeah. Um, I do think that we're seeing, we're, one of the most critical thing that Libra is doing is actually competing not so much with cryptocurrencies, but with another kind of organization that we've been using forever, which is like governments basically. I do think that Facebook is, uh, people have been taking this on like oh, it's like, it's the biggest country in the world, right? Like in terms of members. It's actually not quite a country. It's a corporation. It is the biggest organization in the world in some way with the most members. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense as such that they would kind of try to use the tools of these massive, large organizations, which is, I mean, hopefully not army uh, anytime soon, but at least money. Uh, yeah. And that's why for me, that's what Libra is all about. It's actually a way to kind of supersede uh, the dollar in the U.S. or the national currencies in a lot of
1: countries. Which and so, is why I think it will fail, by the way, because central banks will never allow it.
0: Uh, I mean, so the U.S. central bank will never allow it. At the same time, I do think that the Venezuelan kids or the people that actually live in many countries which don't have the benefit, or the luxury of having a very powerful currency will eventually start doing their savings in Libra or right. keep their. And when that happens, it's going to be very interesting. Interesting to see because these countries will say, "All right, well, I mean, I do think that at some point they will have to abandon their national currency because they are going to be hard to." I mean, if you if you travel around the world already, right? The dollar is the kind of currency that everybody wants in yeah. many places, rather than the local currency. I was actually in Cuba a couple of years ago. And the fact that they have two currencies between the, the cook and the, and, the I mean, and it was kind of like a weird thing. And I realized like, well, it's just because they can, at this point they can force arbitrarily a weak currency on their people. But again, in the information age it's becoming harder and harder. So I do think that Facebook's Libra is gonna succeed, or I don't know if it's gonna succeed, but like if it succeeds, it's gonna succeed first in the developing world and yeah. then later in the, in the Western world.
1: And I think if you listen to Mark Zuckerberg, he talks about the fact he's addressing poor people without banking as his first customer. And yes. um, yes. for that very reason, because he knows it's the lowest hanging fruit. Yes. So going back to Unlock, okay. Yep. So have you got implementations, customers, clients out there, case studies? Who, yeah. Who's implementing this today for you?
0: So it's it's... Uh... Again, the very beginning, but we're starting to see a bunch of people implement this on their site. So mostly in the crypto world at this point, uh, there's a bunch of crypto applications that use this to limit access to some of their features. One of them is called Scout uh, and they're building that dashboard for, uh, for smart contracts and you cannot access. Some dashboards are limited in access unless you actually pay a member- membership fee for this. Uh, there's a bunch of uh, uh, Ethereum bloggers or people in the Ethereum world that are using this. Uh, We do have something on GitHub around donations. So I don't know if you know this, but like if you're an open source developer, you can put a donation button on your GitHub site so you can people contribute to your work. Uh, And basically it's unlocking the membership as a donation. Uh, And so we have a bunch of uh, crypto project using this uh, among which uh, MyCrypto, which is one of the most popular ones, um, WalletConnect and several others. Uh, We're working with a few large publishers here in the US, uh, hoping to launch something very soon.
1: Okay what's stopping the adoption? What, what, what pain points are you finding both for yourself, because there's technology maybe not evolved, or, or is it just a lack of knowledge from the, the, the purchaser?
0: Oh, it's, I think by far at this point, the challenge is around user experience. Right, it's still, as you said earlier, right? You need a wallet, you need cryptocurrency, and that's kind of complicated. So we're working on these things that I described earlier with uh, what we call user accounts, which allow people to have just an account with their email password and credit card rather than set up cryptocurrency accounts. So that's to me the number one friction and that's something that we're working on. The second one I'd say is around kind of the, both the technology, but also the image of these technologies, right? I mean, there's, there's no, there's no denying the fact that a lot of scams and a lot of uh, unsavory people have used cryptocurrencies uh, to, do, to I mean, scam people basically to like, steal money from other people. And so that is something that we're kind of, I wouldn't say suffering from, but definitely try, I mean, seeing the limits of, like we're definitely seeing, seeing people to say, hey, but if I use this, am I gonna be scammed or I'm gonna part of that system that steals money from other people. So that's kind of a, a challenge. And then there's the techni- technical aspect Yes, the Ethereum blockchain is slow. Uh, yes, it's fairly really expensive in terms of fees to run smart contract, even though it's actually cheaper than the regular financial system, but uh, it is not completely free to transact and things like this. Um, I do think that again, like the analogy here is, in Bitcoin is at, least, I mean, it's at this point 10 years old, uh, but Ethereum is four, I think, and not even four or just four. Uh, it's a very early, early uh, kind of technology stack. If you think about the web these days, Yes, you can stream uh, HBO or Netflix on your on your laptop, on your r- web browser, but go back to 95 uh, and yes, people will say, all right, this is gonna be the future of TV. Uh, it was not possible to actually watch anything, Like you would download the real network plugin and then run this and it was <laughs> incredibly pixelated and it would, it would just be a nightmare, right? So the web stack has gone a long way. It took 20 years to actually become what it is today. Mm-hmm. I do think that it's gonna take a similar amount of time for blockchain technology and whether it's Ethereum 2.0 or other uh smart contract platform is going to take, a, I mean, maybe not 20 years and hopefully not 20 years, but it's going to take years before we reach the kind of technological level that we expect today. So that's kind of one of the changes that, I mean, that one of the limitations, but it, it's important to start building now because I do think that it's going to happen at some point.
1: Okay. And I think the reason for blockchain is the underlying platform is because of non repudiation, right? So yep. content can be uh, validated and non repudiated. Yep. So Great. Okay, so going forward for Unlock, um, what does that look like? Where, where where would you like to see Unlock going next?
0: So I, I do think that it will eventually become the the, the the protocol for which you unlock anything online. It's basically the way you unlock your Netflix, your GitHub, your MyBlog, and anything else. Like your favorite band uh, plays in your town, you are a member of their site, so you can... I don't know, already listen to their music on their website, but you can also uh, get a ticket because you're a member and you go see them in in your town. Um, I do think that we'll eventually move to a world where ads, at least the web, uh, ads on the web, sorry, will be far less dominant. And that means that basically privacy uh, becomes possible again. Like right now, one of the challenges is like all of the content and all the software they use is actually monetized with ads. And so ads, at least it's been kind of... um, belief for a long time um, better or more profitable when they know more about you. Right. And so that's why we're kind of pushed into that world where it's like, Hey, you want to see more of that content? Well, give me more about your personal information. Right. I do think that if I'm starting to pay, if I'm starting to pay for content, then I don't have to disclose so much about my information uh, anymore. So we kind of move slowly into a world where yes, there is money coming from consumers to creators. And that means that privacy is kind of back in some way. Uh, that also means that um, as a consumer, I'm kind of the person that the creator serves, not that kind of third party advertiser. So that means that the creator write content for me that actually matches what I expect them to, what I expect them to produce for me. Uh, And so that's a much healthier model. Like, I I mean, I often take the, the, if you think about content, right, it's what we feed our brains with. Like I I spend my day on on the web and I (laughs) learn things and that's food by my brain. Yeah. Um, Obviously, if I go to a restaurant and somebody say, you know what, we're, don't, don't pay for this. I'm going to pay for that. Yes, it's fun if it's a friend of mine. It tends to be something that I would question if it's on a daily basis, there's a corporation behind me that's like, don't worry about this food. Have it. I'm going to pay for this, right? <laughs> it's kind of like you don't want somebody else to pay for your brain food in some way. Yeah. I think that's a pretty healthier, I mean, it would be a pretty healthy kind of decision making to do like, hey, well, wait, um, I, yeah, I should pay for my own brain food because I know what I'm, I know. In some way, I can make a decision of what's in there rather than have somebody else pay for this uh, for reasons that I don't necessarily know of
1: or why right yeah I mean the famous lines if you on Facebook if you if you don't pay for it you are the product right Yep, yeah, exactly. and um, and we moan about ads and we moan about retargeting we moan about all of those things um, I fundamentally agree with you that actually removing the ad model dependency Will yep. be good. The trouble is Google and Facebook, as we said right at the beginning, are the two biggest content platforms and the two biggest advertising platforms. Yep. So they're gonna be the least likely to adopt anything like this. So um,
0: yes, and no. I mean, again, like of course, that's uh that's the likely thing in the short term. If you think about uh, again, like Google this day is not doing any move in the crypto world. Facebook's actually already doing some moves in that world, and I do think that it actually encompasses the idea of paying for content and for applications there because they start to see limitation of the ad model even for them like um think about like regulation and maybe that's going back to like why these uh corporations fight the states but like gdpr in europe there's a bunch of california is about to publish a, a bunch of privacy laws as well are making it harder for advertisement but also i do think that there's real fatigue from people like at some point we are frustrated with this one of the the thing that's on the back of my mind is like Microsoft, and that's kind of the history of of of, of uh, the IT industry. But like Microsoft obviously missed the web in the in the late '90s, right? In the same way, and I don't know if it's missed or tried to kind of ignore it basically more than missed it, right? And it became clear after uh, 2004 or something like this that it's like that was a big mistake, and that's when they started to investigate like search engines, and and since then they've been. Fighting really hard to actually take off. I mean, um, make up for their for their, for the for the for the missing of the wet right. They were yeah, by they far get...
1: the most. Yeah. <laughs> they miss, they miss mobile as well. So they they, yeah, they miss and, and quite they a miss lot.
0: mobile as well, and they miss mobile as well. Uh, but even though, <coughs> before that, if you think about uh, IBM, missed the PC completely, right? In the early eighties, like oh, like we're gonna hire this Microsoft five guys to actually work on on an OS yeah. and that was DOS, and then it was like, well. I mean, who cares about PC, right? And so I do think that's kind of the history of of our industry altogether is kind of you dismiss the new trends uh, and it's not that you miss it because there's, I'm sure, a ton of people at Google, uh, at Facebook that are really interested in this, hacking on this on their free time uh, and building on these things. But it's also such a kind of paradigm change for these companies that oftentimes it's just easier to ignore and kind of milk the cow while it it can be milked uh, until it's kind of either too late, uh, which would be kind of the IBM, or, uh, or until they actually have to make a very drastic change with is of Microsoft. And even though they missed the web and mobile, I do think that at this point, they're still kind of a, the most, um, I mean, they are one of the most um, valued company. Uh, yeah, the IQ one trillion, yeah. They missed it, but at the same time, they're still able to actually uh, do interesting things on that front.
1: So I think one of the challenges, I think, is not a technical challenge, I think is a social challenge now. Um, People have been taught and grown up on the web to get stuff for free, right? From the early days of Napster to just blogging for free or whatever, whatever. And I I am beginning to see more of a move back towards paying for stuff. You know, as you said right at the beginning, you know, you got your Windows ninety eight, you downloaded it, or you, well, you didn't download it. You got a CD, you'd paid for it, uh, and then you put your code in. Um, and we went away from that to the free world, and we are beginning to. I mean, I am certainly paying. So I pay for Medium because I want to read the quality content because there's there's a there's a dearth of rubbish out there, and I really want to get to some higher quality. Um, so I'm I'm making that subjective choice already to go and pay. Yep. So, and I already pay for subscription services like Spotify. So my, my model of payment is coming back to me, my, my, yep. I'm being retaught. So I can see unlock, you know, hitting that curve of where people are saying, actually, I want to control more of my content and actually own more of the profit because yeah. the gatekeepers are no longer the, uh, people.
0: And so, and so you're right. So, I mean, I like that you take Napster, for example. And then earlier we talked about Spotify, right? Like when yeah. Spotify got out, like, I think it's like 11 or 12 years ago now, um, I think, I, I mean, I started subscribing in December, 2009, so it's almost 10 years that I'm a, a, subscri- uh, a Spotify subscriber. Uh, obviously when I talk to my friends, like, Hey, I'm using this thing called Spotify and I'm actually paying for this. They're like, are you nuts?" like basically who's going to pay for music, right? Everybody's using, so it wasn't Napster yet. I, I mean, anymore at this point was like BitTorrent and, yeah. and some other uh, kind of peer to peer services. And yet at this point, I do think that everybody around me, all of these friends that are mocking me at the time actually subscribe to Spotify because it's just so much more convenient and just works yeah. out of the box, right? So I do think that we're not necessarily closing the free web parenthesis, uh, but we're definitely in a world, as you said earlier, where we're moving back toward like, hey, actually, you know what? I'm gonna pay for this because it's a pretty good service. Uh, I like that it's convenient, it's easier it has the best data, the best content. Uh, and so I'm gonna pay for this. So I do think we're moving into that world. But I want to go back again to why did we have the free stuff in the middle? Mm-hmm. I do think again that was because we didn't have the primitives, we didn't have the ways to actually build easy uh I mean, systems for creators to easily charge consumers. Um, I mean Stripe is wonderful, but Stripe is actually not that old. So it's like it's uh I think 2010 or something, yeah, yeah. Is, right? Um, the the days that we're talking about, about the free web actually were before that. Uh, If you think actually wrote an article, I think uh, very like 2012 or something, where I said the biggest innovation for the free web uh, was actually Stripe at the time. It's like, it's a way for anyone to charge for for content. Um, I mean, earlier on the call, you mentioned my very first company was actually a job board for students in France. It still exists. And I created this when I was kind of in, uh, in high school Uh, and, and, I wanted to charge, but it wasn't impossible. I I had no tools in 2000, I mean, 99 and 2000 and 2001 to actually charge with credit card. I would have to go to my bank and say, hey, please let me do this. And I remember getting like quotes for this and it was outrageously expensive upfront to set up. And then the UI was completely clunky. You would go to their, I mean, the consumer would have to go to their website and have this very broken UI, just a white page with a credit card form filled in the middle and a a very bad GIF of their (laughs) logos. What kind of experience is that? Like it's even if I know that it's safe, I don't want to put my card in there because it feels like I'm going to be I'm going to be mugged tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's we didn't have that in the early days of the web. So again, like the from if you think about the like, say 95 to 2010 maybe 15, it was really really hard to charge for stuff online in a way mm-hmm. that was kind of easy, convenient, and make you feel like you're actually paying for something um, without taking too much risks. Uh, I, and that's the reason why we have the that area of like completely free content because it was just more convenient. I mean, yeah. uh, Steve Jobs actually made that pretty clear. It's like, hey, people don't pay for music, not because uh, they don't want to, but because it's just too freaking hard. And it's yeah. just like these DRM stuff is kind of nonsense. And so if we provide a good, easy experience, everybody will pay, I mean, 10 bucks or whatever that is for their online subscription. Again, like, and one of the examples that I take all the time is like, you go, I mean, I'm in New York, I'm sure London prices are pretty much the same, but you go down the street to your the, the largest coffee chain in the world and you purchase a coffee for like $4 and you tell me you don't want to give like five for some content that you're gonna get for like a month that is amazing. What's, uh, I mean, what's the what's the balance yeah, here, right?
1: Exactly, and it's that retraining of the mind. It's just that yeah. that, that people's perception of the web is for free. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's not. Well, I think, exactly. you know, we, we, we're seeing with, uh, you know, Amazon Prime and uh, Apple Plus you know, everyone's beginning to subscribe. In fact, I think I think somebody said now, the internet model isn't a transactional model, it's a subscription model. Because if you yeah. can move people away from a singular tr- transaction to a multiple subscription for life, or at least for as long as you can, yep. then um, you, it's much healthier. You, yeah, it's a much healthier model. Brilliant. And um, so uh, when you've got this up and running and uh, moving, I can see all the the, the the key early adopters like the artists, the the, the publishers, the bloggers. Um, will Will Ev do you a favor? Will 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 Ev implement this for you and replace the clap? Uh, or is that you. the one you were talking about that you can't say, now, manager? No, it wasn't the one that I was talking about that I can't say. Uh,
0: and and so I've already pitched that idea to Ev. Um, for now, we're not working on anything, but I do hope that at some point we will. Um, yeah. And I'm not saying necessarily replace your existing kind of uh, clap system, because I think it's actually a pretty good system. It's, it's fine. I mean, it, it has pros and cons, but it's actually fine. I do think it should be kind of something that is on top. It's like, hey, if I am not a member to Medium, or maybe I'm a member to Medium, but that, that content from that guy actually, I really, or that gal I actually really like, and I want to give them a membership, then you should put a lock on their pages and it allow me to unlock that very specific content. Uh, for me, that kind of makes sense. And then in that world for Medium as the platform, um, since I'm giving money to the blogger, they could tell the blogger, hey, if you want that service, we're going to charge you like $1, $5, whatever, a fixed amount a month uh, that allows you to do this. And to me, that's kind of a healthy approach as a platform to just kind of align incentives like, hey, we're going to provide you the best service. And then you can charge your consumers um, on top of this. That feels like, a again, a, a fair and healthy system.
1: Cool. Julian, thank you very much. It's been fascinating no, very much. learning about Unlock. It's an amazing technology. I'm following it personally. Um, I wish you all the best of luck with it. Um, given you your much. past success, I have a, a lot of uh, hope for the future.
0: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And it's good to have this kind of conversation. And thanks for uh, kind of preaching the gospel uh, to all of your listeners.
1: Thanks a lot, Julian. <laughs> Sam, that show was amazing. To listen again, please visit our website, marlofm.co.uk or visit our Facebook group, Sam Talks Technology. And now you can subscribe on iTunes. Never miss a show again.
0: See you next week,
1: same time, same place.